This is no thaw, said the dwarf, suddenly stopping. This is spring. What are we to do? Your winter has been destroyed, I tell you. This is Aslan's doing. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Kel. And I'm Chase. And thank you so much for joining us today, uh, whenever you are listening to it. This is morning for us, and it is so very morning. early morning. Such early. So if we fall asleep mid-podcast, our bad. Uh, just a reminder that we are talking about The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe today, but a general spoiler warning for the entire Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we do tend to reference different uh, fantasy and fictional stories in particular uh, and that we do enjoy. And so we'll try to give a, a you know spoiler warning for anything that's too uh, far out there. But today, we're going to be, be discussing Chapter 11 of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Aslan is nearer. So near, except he's not in this chapter. He's he's referenced, kind he, of. He briefly. his name is said notably one time, uh, and then immediately <laughs> shut down. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is our let's watch ice melt chapter. Um, okay, this is chapter nine two the chapter no one asked for. <laughs> yeah, I this this one was at least better than the last chapter, but we'll yeah. get into it uh, to kick off our summary. We are back with Edmund, and he is. Having a bad time. Shocker. Uh, he thought when the dwarf left the queen that the queen would start being nice to him and he could finally get that sweet, sweet Turkish delight. But it turns out that bad guys are bad. Crazy. Who thought? Uh, so the evil witch queen silences him and only gives him some dry bread and an iron bowl full of water. When Edmund said he doesn't want dry bread, the queen glared at him and he nibbled on it anyways. The queen's sledge is now ready, so they get in, and she orders Magrim, the secret police wolf guy, to take his wolves to the beaver's house with orders to kill whatever they find there. If they aren't there anymore, they're to go ahead of her to the stone table and remain in hiding till she arrives. She's going to have to go the long way to cross the river with the sleigh first, so she'll meet them there. The wolves find the house empty and the tracks in the scent covered with snow. So they can't get to them. Cool. Uh, meanwhile, the witch and Edmund set off. Edmund is still freezing without a coat and trying to convince himself that this is only a bad dream. And then they stop. The queen is furious at the sight of her citizens having a merry party. She interrupts their meal to ask the meaning of this gluttony. And then one of the partiers nervously tells her, well, Father Christmas gave it to them. This is not what she wants to hear, so she turns the whole party to stone with a wave of her magic wand, and then she makes a point to tell Edmund that this is what happens to traitors, and they set back off. After a while, though, Edmund began to notice he wasn't feeling quite as cold, and the sledge wasn't running quite as smoothly. Suddenly, it stuck fast in the ground and couldn't move at all, and that's when they began to hear the sound of running water as streams are forming all around them, and... They get out into what now is only slush on the ground. No more snow. Uh, with some cruelty, they get their reindeer to go a little bit further, but but then they just have to admit, look, this sledge isn't going anywhere. It's not going to do this in this thaw. 
So the queen decides to tie up Edmund instead of the reindeer, cut them loose, and they begin to walk. And as they walk, the white snow gives way to patches of green and yellow. Birds are beginning to sing as spring has sprung. At the sight of this, the queen is angrily yelling for them to walk faster and faster. And the dwarf, frightened, acknowledges this is no thought. It truly is spring. And the witch's winter is broken, and this must be Aslan's doing. And then the witch threatens to kill anyone else who says that name. And that's where our chapter ends. What does it? Uh, the theme of this chapter is the realization of truth. And Chase, the truth of the matter is Edmund is having a bad time. This is unexpected. Such a bad time. I Who would have thought that have thought? when he went to hang out with a person whose name is essentially bad guy, that he would have <laughs> a bad time? This is what I wrote in my notes. So it goes... Edmund had been having a most disappointing time. He expected that the witch would start being nice to him. I wrote, say it again, but slower. Just repeat that to yourself real quick, Edmund. You expected the witch to be nice to you. (laughs) But she gave him candy. Mm. Yeah, it's really tough to see. He was so sure that this evil witch... to be fair, everyone kept saying how She's unkind and bad and turning people to stone and like like full-on despotism. Like this is everyone's report on him, what she's like. Yeah. And he was just so sure, like, nah though. You like, guys just don't know her like I do. Yeah, she only called me an idiot like four times. It's fine. And now she's gonna call me things like human creature, uh, <laughs> which we'll get to. Uh, he but, just but, wanted to be her special prince and get her candy. Weird, man. I hate <laughs> it. It sounds so creepy and weird. Except it's literally what he I was know. hoping for. I know. I know. It's just it's just the worst. Uh, mm. But before before that, uh, you know, got to respect the, bo- the boldness, the persistence. Uh, he goes, please, your majesty, can I have some Turkish delight? Good for you, Edmund. Hey, uh, he you worked know what? up that courage. He asked hey, for up, it. He asked for it and immediately just gets berated for it. Silence, fool. And then she's the queen. I don't hear Chase. I got, I'm confused by the white witch because her plan in all of this, right? Like she wants these children dead. Mm-hmm. She also knows that Aslan is back. Yeah. Why is she keeping Edmund alive? That's... And, like, why is she wanting him in good shape? Uh, for the plot? <laughs> for the plot. Yeah, it's... Ah. <laughs> it, you're, you're completely correct, because her goal is to keep four children from sitting on those thrones. Like, that's her number one goal. Yeah. She has one child, which means if this child... Wiped off the board, then she, she no longer has to worry about it. But yeah. here she stops to herself and is like, hmm, but I don't want him to die on the road with us. Why take him with you? Why feed him? Why not turn him to stone right now and end the book? Yeah, but it, yeah, it, it, it's it doesn't fully make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's it's super weird. Uh, because she goes, like, you know what. 
I don't want this human brat fainting. So bring the humid creature some food and shriek. And like, you know, plot devices aside, this is a ridiculous scene because like the oh, dwarf yeah. brings back like what I can only imagine are like a dog bowl filled with like bread and water. Here's your Turkish delight. <laughs> it's so funny. He just it's so sassy. This I, dwarf, I love the taunting. It's really the dwarf good. has got a lot of sass. Yeah. Uh, he's got more personality than most of the characters in this book. But also it's like true. The iron plate and the iron bowl is so on the nose. This is like C.S. Lewis saying, like, okay, so what's the opposite of a delicious feast served on a silver platter? I know. Stale bread served on an iron platter. Like, he literally just did opposite. He went opposite and then patted himself on the back and said, man, that's some good old-fashioned symbolism right there. Mm -hmm. It was it's so on the nose. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's just great. But then immediately after this, to go back to my confusion, she immediately like he's like, I don't want this bread. It's a very it's it's very childlike, oh, yeah. uh, real you know, real picky. But then the witch like goes, "You may be glad enough of it before you taste bread again." So it's like, why are you feeding him? And then immediately telling him, "You, I brought. I'm not going to feed you anymore, and because you're going to be dead." Like just like again. I want the I want the listener to be aware. I'm not advocating for Edmund's death. I don't want that. But as the evil person in the story, I your plan is flawed here. Yeah, it would have made a lot more sense for her to just kill him. Yeah. Yeah, but this is coming from the same woman who when she had a chance to stop Diggory from taking the apple back to Aslan and the magician's nephew, which if you're only joining us for this book, I mean, go back and listen to it. It's your own fault. Um, Like she had a chance to stop him from planting the tree that would keep her out of Narnia, but instead just kind of shrugged and walked off into the woods. She just went for the, let me tempt him with words uh, route, as opposed to the, let me smash his face in route, which she is shown she is capable and willing to do. Yeah, very willing, very capable. Loves a whip, loves to be angry and abusive, like could have easily, but yeah. no. Nah, and as just... and as we see in the very next little section, she immediately goes and like orders the murder of everyone else at the hands of her wolf Gestapo. Uh, so it's like, why not just kill Edmund now? I don't get it. But maybe she the, really does want a son. Maybe, maybe she wants a creepy little prince. Uh, and the creepy you know, prince, my favorite children's book. <laughs> oh, sweet. Uh, but she calls up Mogrim, the giant wolf, uh, and she tells Mogrim, go take your swiftest wolves, go at once to the beavers, which confirmation yeah. again. That he knows exactly who they are, yeah. where they are. Everyone just knows are. where the beavers live. It's almost like they're on payroll or something. Almost like they're on payroll. Like, at best, they're at least informants that are like, you know, they are friendly with the queen. Uh, at More realistically, they're, they're often working together. Uh, but... She says, kill whatever you find there. If they're already gone, go to the stone table. 
and don't be seen. Wait for me in hiding. Like, we'll get to this in the next chapter. But Magram immediately doesn't. Like, he he goes, I hear and I obey, oh queen. No, he doesn't. He makes himself very known immediately. Do we, which, like, haven't read past the next chapter, but do we know if the wolf in the next chapter is Magram or one of yes, his other? Okay. It's Magram. So it's, he's uh, just straight up ignoring his commands right now. Yeah, That's like cool. it, it's like he was like, ooh, I should wait, but I'm not going to. There's like, my chance right we'll here out in the open in front of everybody. Yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, so he 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 makes his way to the stone table to, you know, kill all the beavers and the Pevensey children, but not Edmund because why? Of uh, course not. Yeah, because we have to make it. We all have to make it to the stone table. I do like with the uh, with the like Beaver's house like mini side quest that C.S. Lewis just really wants to make sure we remember that it was snowing whenever the kids and the Beavers left. <laughs> He's just that like, way, good thing are. their tracks got covered. Eh? And the eh? scent apparently. Yeah. Remember uh, how yeah. I talked about that a few chapters ago? Remember you remember <laughs> right? I remember looked, they said I the snow the would whole, be good. I looked up the whole snow like covering scent thing because like yeah for sure it would cover tracks at best experts are like it might help might hurt we don't really know so it's like yeah you're you're probably not seeing how wolves live in snowy climates yeah and hunt perfectly fine yeah i i don't know man i like i think i think c.s lewis is making some wild assumptions here and he will you know continue to do that throughout the series i'm sure uh he just really loved his callback there this is uh you know, we we then make our way back to so Edmund and the dwarf and the queen. They get on the sleigh with the reindeer and no bells, and they make their way back to or towards the stone table and everything. And yeah. like, I, this is what I like to title: Evan Edmund Pevensey and the no good, very bad, terrible journey to and from the White Witch's house. Because this is just another, just like we had a couple chapters ago. This is just another really long description of Edmund having a bad time. He doesn't have a quote, a coat. He's really cold. He's getting covered with snow. He's trying to like brush it off. And then he just like gives up because the snow keeps piling on him. Uh, And then it's like, he, then it's like, it didn't look now as if the witch was going to make him a King. But yeah, duh. (laughs) You you think? (laughs) Yeah. Which I, so tired of hearing about this coat at this point. This is like the fifth time. This isn't the same as locking yourself in a wardrobe, CS. It's okay. You don't have to tell us this every don't single chapter. lock yourself in a wardrobe. Don't forget your coat. Don't forget really, your coat. Really practical advice yep. from Legal the advice. fantasy writer. Uh, yeah, which, I mean, this writing the sleigh, you know, lasted longer than he could describe, even if he wrote Dude. pages and pages about it, which he did. And bro, I literally wrote that down. So for the for the listener, the exact quote, because like we've mentioned before, C.S. Lewis likes to interject with his own narrator voice in here and throughout the stories. And he goes, This last like this being the journey, but that the the witch in them are taking lasted longer than I could describe, even if I wrote pages and pages about it. But I will skip on to the time when snow had stopped, da, 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 right? But like he did write pages and pages about it. He's devoted not just one, but now two chapters just to Edmund's journey and a whole other chapter 
related to the other Pevensey children walking through snow and slush and not having a great time. Which this is how many chapters of a book? Like this is three 15, 16. So this is a solid 20% of this book. 20% of this book is travel. And like I don't even I don't even think that J.R. Tolkien is that bad. J.R. Tolkien's like, listen, dude. Like statistically. Uh, like like statistically, the hobbits at least get out of the Shire after a third of the way in the book. Granted, that's a long time. This is not a defense of the Shire section necessarily. It's but it's rough. It is it's something worth noting. Granted, these are all much shorter books than any individual Lord of the Rings book. But this one is just so flagrant, though, because not only is he shifting the narrative perspective in the middle of his story again, but he also is acknowledged that he's writing. Not even yeah. just like, oh, and you know, in telling this story, I could go on and on about how miserable this was, but I won't. No, he's like, I could have written more, but I got bored, so I didn't. Like, if you think <laughs> yeah. that where you're going with your story is that boring, maybe write something different. Or yeah. maybe just skip ahead without telling us about it. Like, like we mentioned, I, he before, thinks he's being cheeky. Yeah, but like, if I don't know, and like we again, mentioned before, we can. This could all be condensed to be like Edmund gets to the witch's house, like after his like really miserable journey, and then Edmund leaves the witch's house, and it's a miserable journey. Like, yeah, make yeah. it make it one or a half chapter. Yeah, even if he had just skipped to the end and said, and I won't even tell you about how miserable Edmund's journey was, that is a story for another time, and then have moved on. That is yeah. one sentence that could have covered the last two or three chapters. It it definitely could have, but you know what? It didn't. Uh, but and we, I mean, he, this is all coming from people who were prepping for this podcast at 630 in the morning. So, so we're already grumpy. Uh, it's, it's just, it is what it is. You're going to get a real cynical podcast this morning. Uh, but it is what it is. That's what we usually are. So it makes sense. Um, maybe we could have a tea party about it. We could, you know, who couldn't have a tea party about it? Anyone? A, a lovely, delightful, merry party of squirrels and satyrs and a dwarf. Well, well, okay, we'll get to that. And a fox. How lovely, Chase. This sound like what a quaint little scene. I hope nothing disturbs them. Did you ever watch South Park? Uh, yes, I did. And you know I know the where you're going animals. with it. <laughs> yep. We'll leave that there. <laughs> what an episode. Uh, oof. oof. Um, but like, what a, what a sweet little serene scene, uh, that we come upon Edmund, you know, he's had this miserable journey. He's desperate enough that he's willing to see any of his siblings, including Peter. So, you know, it's that bad. And then how, how sweet he, he happened. They happen upon this sweet little, little woodland family of, of yeah. squirrels and a fox and a dwarf and satyrs. And they're all, you know, having a grand old time, having some, uh, some breakfast and, and yeah. tea and, which is the British idea of Santa Claus, just that he gives out tea parties left and right. Like that feels a, a real, little on the nose. It it feels on the nose, but it also, I mean, it, if it's accurate, like, I mean, more power to know. him. I've like, never I, been I, British I, at Christmas. I've, I've never been British in general, uh, <laughs> except when I pretend. And even when I pretend, it's more of a caricature than anything. 
<laughs> so they come upon this this breakfast scene and the witch is, is not happy. She yeah. is like, what is happening? What's the meaning of this vermin? Um, Although not and- to victim blame, but come on, animals. You don't see the white witch coming. Like, I know that she doesn't have bells on her sleigh anymore, but she's being pulled by reindeer. Yeah. You for sure notice her pulling up. Like at least, and it will, it's also a thing where it's like, at least maybe like, like have this breakfast inside. Like I know that it's spring and you want to enjoy the world right now, but like the white witch is still alive, you know, like maybe be cool about it. Yeah. I mean, in all of Narnia, the fact that she'd pull up to this one spot where you just happen to set up your picnic. I mean, sure. They, they probably weren't counting on that, but they had time to run. Yeah, uh, she she does uh like the witch is just she she's got some great uh, little lines in this section. She goes, uh, "What is the meaning of all this gluttony, this waste, and self indulgence? This is what normal people call eating, yeah. just no, like normal this, meals. <laughs> this is dinner with friends. Yeah, gluttony it tells us a lot about says, the witch's the, idea of a good time." <laughs> It, it tells a lot about the state of Narnia under the White Witch, where if these people enjoy like some breakfast and tea, it's like, wow, you pigs. Like, you should be rationing this. Are, like, are you sure you don't want just an Damn. iron bowl filled with stale bread, you idiots? Um, that, was, that stale bread was the nicest meal anyone's had in years. I was feeding him. Yeah, he should be grateful. Uh, but they're that? like, uh, <laughs> what the, the fox? I love this moment. Like, uh, I appreciate the boldness. Uh, and like, you know, this is, I think this is some great, like, you know, thinking and trying to like, you know, bring up some like quick, quick thinking flattery. And he goes, if I might be so bold as to drink your majesty's very good health. Great attempt. It doesn't play out and it doesn't work out for him. Very, bold. But like, but good move. You know, I, I, I would try it. I'd make it work. Uh, and then, you know. The, the witch like yells at him. She's like, who gave this to you? And she's like, he's like, uh, father Christmas. Uh, and like, you know, snitches. Get mad, 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 mad. <laughs> uh, and, uh, the, he, he, he admits that it's father Christmas that has given him all these things. And she goes, he's not been here. He cannot have been here. How dare you? But no, say you've been lying and you shall even now be forgiven. Like again, why ask the question if you don't want the answer and you already know that Aslan is on the move. Why is yeah. this unexpected? And also, they definitely wouldn't have been forgiven. She was oh, already no. mad about the food. Like she's, she's gonna not going to be show now. But the, the, yeah, the queen is about to show some real inconsistency here uh, because, like, she she gets real mad about Father Christmas, and uh, like she demands they you know retract their statement. No one does, and then one of the squirrels uh, is like, "But it's true." Uh, and then she raises her wand, and then just turns these animals and life creatures to stone and like this is when edmund is like no 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 please don't like he's trying in this moment to actually stop this yeah i think this is the glass shattering moment for edmund yeah i've got i've actually wrote that down like this is i'm on the bad side i guess i didn't do it when he got the stale bread it didn't do it when he realized he was a prisoner this is the moment where he's like oh okay I see yep. what's happening here. Yeah, this is a uh, this. Uh, that's my uh, my further up and further in. But yeah, this is this is a big moment. Like because he's 
he has felt these things personally. He's been insulted. He's been, you know, he's had his his doubts and he's even seen statues, but he's never seen anyone actually turned into stone live. And like, he's never seen per- people like get to, like supposedly murdered. So uh, he's not going to draw glasses and mustache on these, these guys. No, I don't. I, it, I think he's going to feel a little bit more remorseful in this, especially after like, she just, after, after he tries to, you know, defend these creatures, the witch turns on him and just straight up smacks him in the face. Like, Probably and we, needed. I'm not yeah. for hitting hitting children in general, but this fictional child, he he could have used that a couple chapters ago, honestly. Yeah, but maybe from like like a sibling, and like a like not not from a giant seven feet tall like Shaquille O'Neal woman who can break doors with her punches. Yeah, like, not, not, not this woman here? who could break an iron bar in half with her bare hands. Yeah, it like. This is rough, man. Uh, but then it, it it goes on to say, like, and Edmund felt sorry for the first time in this story, uh, but for someone besides himself. It seems so pitiful to think of all these stone creatures sitting there. And this is where, you know, it really related to me, where it's like all the silent days and the dark nights, year after year, till the moss grew on them, and at last their faces crumbled away. Chase, is this what it's like getting old? This is- it's how I feel every day. <laughs> how I feel right now. My face sitting is in the dark, Sitting in the dark day after day my you know moss like you know hair and all this is growing and uh it, it's just gross uh it, and it's just I, I feel the decay of time creeping upon me but yeah, weird, weird existential moment for our edmund weird existential moment uh and then we get back to a crazy long description after c.s lewis has promised us that he's yeah. not going to spend that long on this journey yeah i count it six pages Six pages of thawing. Thawing. So we didn't have time to write pages and pages about them thriving, but we do have time for pages and pages of literally snow melting. You ever, you ever had that question asked you, like, you know, you ever, like, it's as boring as watching paint dry or grass grow or snow melt now? Yeah. That's this. Which, like, a <laughs> couple weeks ago, whenever the uh, we had that big ice storm in Texas, like, got the experience of watching yeah. snow melt as I boiled it on our stove trying to <laughs> make drinkable water or at least something to flush the toilets with. And, and it's, you know what uh, I wouldn't, out of that whole, yeah. you know, scenario, do you know what part I wouldn't write six pages about? That? The melting of the snow. I'd write about my experiences. Yeah, I'd felt. write about the how are uh, people doing. Yeah, the the point where the house got to forty five degrees, and we realized we had to stay somewhere else. Yeah, you know those are things that you would write about. But no, C.S. Lewis says it takes a real author to write about snow melting for so stinking long. Yeah. Well, the uh, real difference is I didn't forget my coat, and Edmund did, so it, it's merited here. We we need yeah. six pages of snow melting. Yeah, that's Which, true. To be fair, it is a very beautiful six pages. Sure. Like yeah, he's it's, it's being really indulgent sweet. because it's like pretty language and, and like it's the it's it's literal the coming flowers bursting for this it's whatever. He's showing the witch's power breaking, blah blah blah. Uh. <laughs> but um it starts melting so much that the sleigh uh can no longer be pulled. And so uh, she makes the she makes Edmund and the dwarf get out and push the sleigh until they decide, you know what, just walk. 
Uh, and which <laughs> the uh, the cruel whipping of the reindeer to get it to go an extra ten feet was rough. It's yeah, that's that's a, you know that's a, not a great look. But you can hit she, Edmund, but don't hit the reindeer. Come on, <laughs> hold on, wait a minute. I don't know if I support this, uh, but the witch has a great line here. And by great line, I mean a terrible line. But she goes, she's the the dwarf is like, we're never going to uh, like overtake them walking. And like not with the start they've got, talking about the Pevensey children and the beavers. And the witch goes, Are you my counselor or my slave? Do as you're told. Uh, like it's it's like, did I ask for your advice? Like so very Chandler being delivered. It was that's could kinda, you be anymore? <laughs> could you be anymore of my slave? Uh like that's how I am at that's how I read this. Uh and this is like are you my counselor, my slave? This is what I'm going to start, uh, things I'm going to start saying to my students when they ask, like they provide their opinion on anything. Yep. Uh, so that's like, did I, like, are you, are you my counselor or my, my, my subservient subject here? You know, like what, but uh, we, she, she tells the dwarf, tie the hands of the human creature. Again, human is sufficient here, uh, but whatever, human creature behind it and keep a hold of the rope take your whip for the boy, uh, the child. And then this is, again, I don't understand this because like one, this is, de this is dehumanizing to Edmund, but then she tells the dwarf to cut the harness of the reindeer. They'll find their way home. Freedom. Yeah, like, like if I'm these reindeer, one, get out, like go home, like run free, yeah. like do not go back. But then why not just ride these reindeer? Like, they are able to move. Hey, they don't have saddles. You think that, like, yeah, is that going to be more comfortable than walking have, miles? Have you ever ridden slush? a bareback horse? No, it's really uncomfortable. It's have not a ever, good time. Have you ever walked hours through slush? Yeah, yeah, I have. It's uh, that, you're right. Is that comfortable? <laughs> when you're right, you're right. But like, at I least don't one know. of these there's uncomfortabilities is going to lead to getting that quicker. Like, yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. In but this with moment, the reindeer, she does say they'll find their own way home. And you're right; it's a lot of confidence they want to live with her. Yeah, but the person like who's been whipping went, them. Yeah, I like to think they went ahead to the stone table and just kind of turned the like, listen, They right. they pulled a Mister and Mrs. Beaver, and uh, <laughs> they went turncoat. Uh, but you know, they're they're just dumb beasts. They're not like Mister and Mrs. Beaver. You know. Oh yes, those Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, very smart, very wise. Very, with their very interesting smart. theories about blood status. Yeah. Ooh. Also, we didn't even mention like there was a good dwarf, you know, supposedly in here. So yeah, the, the, be well, the beavers just seem real. If they knew one, they knew, <laughs> that, that might be that one. Be that one dwarf. <laughs> Who knew? Numerically, uh, it's adding up. But uh, so they they continue on this slushy journey. And then, like it, you know, it's describing spring and everything, and like the uh, <laughs> the dwarf is like, "Stop looking at that!" Which, like, if you've ever had any or interaction with a child, and you say, "Don't do this," <laughs> like, yeah. what do you expect to happen? Edmund immediately looks, <laughs> like, for sure. Also, the thing he's got to stop looking at is outside. Stop looking at Stop where looking we at are, the surroundings. Don't like, look at the ground. Don't look at the sky. Don't look at that tree. So look to your left or right. Close, close your eyes and keep Close walking. your eyes, but keep moving forward and walking and know where you're going. <laughs> okay, yep. that's good. Uh, 
and then you know we we have a several more pages of thawing uh, several like we're like when we're not joking when we're saying like i'm i'm like you know I, when i do this podcast like i've got my my devices in front of me and i've got my uh my phone has the book on uh on it and i've got my ipad that has my notes and then zoom is on my laptop but I'm and so technological. So technological. I am a. I am for sure. Like looking in front of me, I look like the the Apple product guy. Like anything Apple does, it's just like, yep, we're at, we're targeting this guy. Uh, but I I'm like scrolling through the the book with you know to keep up where we're at, and it's literally just like swipe 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 swipe. Oh, still thawing. Swipe swipe. Oh, swipe, literally swipe. my my physical book was six of the 10 pages in this chapter was snow melting. It's, it's a lot of snow melting, but then we end the chapter uh, with great takes from the dwarf man. Oh my gosh. Uh, Which also just with this take, this is CS Lewis, not trusting us to pick up that it's spring now. Like yeah, this is not it, just like the dwarf is captain obvious here. If the but, last chapter with Father Christmas coming and saying the witch's power is done and winter is ending, didn't do it. If the snow melting and sun coming out didn't do it, thank God we have this. No. He needed in someone's mouth to say out loud, hey, you know, this isn't just snow melting, your majesty. It is spring now. And you know what that means? Aslan. Like, Dude. this is C. Subtlety Lewis back at it again with his yep. white bands. It's... uh. It's flagrant. When, when I read this is no thaw, this is no thaw, this is spring, I immediately read it as that's no moon. That's a it's space a trap. station. That's <laughs> a trap. Uh that's how I read this. Uh and but like what a what a ridiculous thing to stay for the dwarf right now. You just saw how this group of woodland creatures was treated for mentioning Father Christmas. Boom, turned to stone. This dwarf who has already been called just a slave, like mere chapter, mere pages ago, uh, is like, your winter has been destroyed. This is Aslan's doing. Like, this is true. But what are you expecting to happen to this? And why is he not instantly killed or turned to stone? Because she actually has surprisingly few people on her side. (laughs) Like, the witch. It's basically just him and Magrim, and we're and, gonna see what happens to Magrim next chapter. Yeah, but like this, she's never been one to show restraint, though, and she doesn't. I think need, think she needs anyone serving her. So, like, yeah. why not kill them now? She it's just hasn't move. figured out the magic word to destroy this world. So she's still she'd still like someone else to walk the the Edmund for her. Indeed, indeed. Well, Chase, do you have anything else before we uh, head further up and further in? I think I'm good. Cool. Uh, I would. I'm gonna go ahead and start this one off because we've already kind of mentioned it uh, a little bit. So my further up and further in is the glass shattering moment uh, mixed with the redemption arc, right? So what I mean by this is this is this this idiom of glass shattering uh, is when it's that moment when you realize that something you previously believed to be true was not true. Uh, And in terms of how this relates to fictional stories and fantasy stories, um, this is kind of a redemption argument where the person who was an antagonist starts making their way into uh, being a good character, being a hero, or at least being somewhat 
redeemed, right? So Edmund realizes the queen is actually bad when he sees all of these uh, creatures turned to stone. Zuko, if you've watched the Avatar The Last Airbender series, realizes that his family is evil, that they're actually manipulating him, and uh, that he's on the wrong side of the war and starts making his way back uh, to, like, be the, uh, you know, the, the the tutor of firebending for the Avatar. Uh, Very Anakin. cute episode for him. It's a great one. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a classic because he's just walking around like, "Hey guys, can, can I can I be on your team now?" It's really sweet. It's great. I love Zuko, but Anakin and Darth Vader slash Darth Vader. Uh, you know, in episode six, uh, realizes that the Emperor is about to kill his son Luke, and he decides to take action, and he. Spoiler alert, is the one who kills the Emperor. Granted, this was like 30 years ago, so spoiler alert doesn't seem very applicable anymore. But uh, Boromir, uh, if you've read Lord of the Rings and the Fellowship of the Ring, attacks Frodo because he wants the ring for himself. He thinks he can use it for power, but then realizes his unsusceptibility to the ring's temptation. And he begins to fight on behalf of Frodo for, you know, another page or two. Uh, before he's uh, shish kebabbed. Uh, Tony Stark in Iron Man 1 sees his name written on missiles that are being used by enemy uh, armies and the missile that's going to end up putting shrapnel in his, you know, in his body. Uh, and so it's it's this moment when you, you see these people work it, like this glass shatter moment where the truth actually becomes realized and they begin walking in a different direction because they can no longer believe what they used to believe. Yeah. Glass Shattering, also a classic episode of How I Met Your Mother. Um, Indeed. My Further Up and Further In is really similar, kind of tracking with the same. I mean, it is our theme of this chapter. But uh, just tracking with the power of the same thing, seeing the holes in the evil plan. Or, in other words, the power of hope. Uh, This chapter is simultaneously miserable for Edmund, yet hopeful for the reader. So on the one hand, we're prisoners, we're eating stale bread, we're getting dragged around the countryside in chains, with small animals being killed left and right for no reason. On the other hand, we have this powerful, dawning realization that the witch's power is melting away like the snow on the ground. Imagine this for a moment. You're an average Narnian citizen. You were born in winter. It's been winter all your life. It's all you've ever known. But suddenly, for the first time today, you start to feel a little warmer. You start to see, for the first time, grass and flowers breaking through the icy sheets on the ground. The sky is blue. The birds are singing. Imagine the hope that that instills. It makes me think of like Harry Potter when Voldemort finally realizes that Harry has been destroying his horcruxes. Kind of that moment of vulnerability for the villain that you thought couldn't be touched. Like he was going to live forever. And then suddenly he's like, no, actually you're mortal. We could win this battle. And so it's this powerful moment and it shows us the inevitable trajectory of where we're going as a story, which is helpful because we are kind of making that turn in this story. Mm, Love it. Chase, if you dare speak the name of this podcast one more time i swear that i'll end it immediately don't test me i'll do so, it sounds so much less stressful than waking up at five in the morning <laughs> to take notes on a book uh, well chase 
I, I swear I'll do it. And if you just, if you tell these listeners that they could find our podcast, the Chronicles of, of Podcasts, anywhere where you listen to podcasts, be that Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever, and you tell them. What, what if they leave, leave a rating or a review? If, if you tell them that, you better tell them that there'd be five stars, nothing less than five stars, and leave a comment while you're at it. But if you tell them, Chase, that they could find us on Instagram at Chronicles of Podcast, and then they could keep up with all the things they're doing and know when we're posting things. If you tell them these things, I'll, I'll end this podcast. They'll instantly, it'll be killed. Just don't do it. So you do it. Go, go find the podcast. Yeah, yeah. That was a subtle way of, of us, uh, you know, telling you to go do this thing. But yeah, yeah, Chase, do those things. That's all we've got for chapter eleven. And next time we get to see Peter fight a giant bear wolf. So Peter and his sword. Peter and his sword. With that, reader, listener, we bid you adieu. Adieu. <laughs>